Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. Our evening services on Wednesday have been dedicated to divine healing, to the subject of divine healing. We will be teaching along the lines of divine healing. And we will continue to teach along the lines of divine healing. We said the purpose of this is to present the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ, the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ, which healing happens to be a part of it. We said the reason for the teaching is because divine healing has become more of a doctrine than a reality. Divine healing has become more of a doctrine than that of a reality. Just check the elders, and you'll find out that there are few that are being healed. Check out how many are coming to be prayed for, and you'll find out that a low percentage of those people are being healed. Now, there has to be a reason for this. When you're young in the Lord, you may not think about it too much. But then as you grow up in the Lord and begin to ponder over these things and you find out that the Word of God says that all things are possible to him that believeth and ask whatsoever you will, it shall be done unto you. And what things soever you desire when you pray, believe, receive, and you shall have. And if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. And you, and you kind of wonder, and you say, well, now, Lord, if this is true, these people come up and ask for healing and they want to be healed, how come they're not getting it? Where does the problem lie? Now, I don't know about you, but I think we have uh, the responsibility of giving the Word of God as much attention as we do anything in our secular fields. People spend all kind of money and all kind of time to find out ways to help people on a secular level. Science has endeavored to combat man's, one of man's enemies, which is sickness and disease. Spend effort, time, and loads of money, but come up short all the time. Isn't that right? But their efforts have not ceased. They've not stopped in their efforts. They keep hanging in there and plugging on, going on and on and on and on and on to somehow, some way, find a cure for every sickness and every disease that would come against mankind. But you know as well as I do, just as long as there's sin in the world, as long as death is in the world, as long as germs and diseases are in the world, man will never come up with a cure for all the sicknesses and all the diseases that come against them. Amen? There's only one cure for all the sicknesses and the diseases, and that's Jesus. Well, why not put effort and time in studying God's way of healing, God's way of promoting health, God's way of having us live free from sickness and disease, no matter how long it takes, no matter how much effort it takes, no matter how much money it takes. But see, bless God, it doesn't take any money in the kingdom of God, does it? It's all free. Bless God, it's all free. So the reason for our teachings, and you just bear with me, because we're just going to talk about the glory and the power of God concerning the healing of the physical body, 
until it so electrifies this place that everybody will walk in here and just, just get zapped by the power of God and get healed. Amen? And people's faith are so high. That's our, that's our goal. Our goal. This is our goal. Our goal is to understand the depths of God's healing power, God's virtue, in such a way that people have so much faith in it and so much trust and confidence in it that he has to turn to nobody else except the power of the living God, Jesus, to get their healing. And that's how it should be in all the churches. Amen? That's how it should be. It's supposed to be that way. Well, something tells me that it's not God's fault and it's not God's, you know, responsibility. It's ours because God's always ready and willing to heal and to bless his people at any given time. Amen? Amen. So there we have our reason for our teaching and our goal for our teaching along with the purpose. Now, we said that there are two things that we wanted to look at. See, Jesus is God's way of healing. Jesus is and was God's only way of healing when he was here on the earth. There's medical science. If they heal, it's through the body. There's metaphysical science, mind science, religions. They, if they do any kind of healing, it comes through the mind. We've heard of the power of positive thinking. Well, the power of positive thinking deals with the mind. Faith has nothing to do with the power of positive thinking. I want you to know that. And I know there are those that preach along with salvation in the gospel message, the power of positive thinking. But if the blood of Jesus Christ and faith in the gospel is involved in it, it's not the power of positive thinking. It's the power of the gospel. And it's coming up out of the heart, not out of the mind. Okay? But if these metaphysical religions and mind science religions, if they do any kind of healing or, or affect anybody else and help anybody in any way, it's through the mind. It's not through the spirit. See, God's way of healing is through the spirit. And Jesus is God's way of healing through the Spirit. And when he was here on the earth, he was walking on the earth, he proved that he was God's way of healing. I mean, just think about it. Why should we lower the standards? Why not keep the standards all the way up? Jesus healed anybody and everybody that came to him with faith. Now, if they had doubt and unbelief, he could there do no mighty work. But those that came to him in faith, to the Master, and touched him, when that virtue went out of him, when they touched him, they got healed if they came with faith. And he healed all and everyone that came to him. So then Jesus sets the pattern, right? He sets the pattern for healing in the, in the New Testament. It's his life and ministry that sets our pattern that we should follow. We should follow it. Everyone that comes to Jesus and touches him will be healed by the healing power of God. Not any other field. I am not belittling these other fields. I am telling you this. It is not God's way of healing. Those other fields are not God's way of healing. Jesus was God's way of healing. Jesus is God's way of healing. Jesus always will be God's way of healing. Was his power not enough to heal all that came to him, no matter how bad the disease might be? Absolutely. And when medical science left off, just as it does in these days, and as it did in those days, they still came to him and still he healed all them. Now, if he's got that kind of power, and God's power and way of healing works that effectively, don't you think we should tap into it? And don't you think we should learn more about it? And don't you think we should use all our energies, studies, time, effort to get into this and understand this great and vital issue? Listen, if man pays, if man uh, finds these ways, he has to pay with money, with cash. 
And it costs a lot of money to find out these ways. But bless God, the price that was paid for God's way was the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why this is so, such an important issue. You can't remove that from the redemptive work of Christ. If people remove that from the redemptive work of Christ, they are belittling the blood of Jesus. They are splitting it down the middle and saying he died for your sins. You can be assured of. But for your sicknesses, he didn't do that. That's only if he wills. That's ridiculous. I can't see Jesus paying the awesome price of his life and his blood for my healing and me walking around not endeavoring how to find out how to use it. That's like the fellow who's walking around that's not born again. Jesus paid an awesome price for that man's salvation, but he's not making any use of it. Can you see how horrible that is? Can you see the end result of that? The man die and go to hell and never have eternal life when the price was paid. Well, the price has been paid for the healing of every sickness and every disease known to humanity. The blood of Jesus. And it was an awesome price that was paid. And God expects us, the Father God expects us as born-again, spirit-filled believers to use every, everything we can possibly find in God's Word to create an atmosphere that is filled with His power so that His healing power can be effective in every person's life. Now, if others don't want to do it, that's their responsibility. But my calling as a pastor, and you'll find out in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet was told by the Spirit of God, you prophesy to these pastors and you tell them, you didn't get my children healed and I want my kids healed. That's what God said in essence. Blessed be God, I am going to use everything I have, all the abilities that God has given me to make contact with that power and to teach Every one of you, how to receive your healing from God directly without any other means. Amen? That's how I want it. That's how I'm going to walk in it. Now, in Mark 5 here, well, before we look at that, it's the 25th verse. You can find the 25th verse. Um, we're told, remember Jude when he was writing his letter? He said, we are to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And what he was really saying was, you stand for what you have heard from the beginning and you fight for it. You fight the good fight of faith. You earnestly contend for that which was delivered unto you in the beginning. As I see the early church walking, clothed in the glorious virtue and healing power of God, how they just... Turn the world upside down. Or shall we say right side up. For Jesus. By healing all those that came to him. I believe that we should have that same desire to earnestly contend for that kind of faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And walk in the freshness and the fullness of that same power that they walked in. I said in our last week's lesson that the early church had more knowledge of this power of healing. And it was more of a reality to the early church than it was right on down to them dark ages and down to the years of the Reformation. And even during the Reformation, they did not really get into the movement of healing. It was only the born-again experience. And thank God for that. But you saw right after that, shortly after that, there came a healing revival. And God was doing mighty, mighty things to bring more people into the kingdom of God by, again, 
advertising the gospel through the power of healing. Amen? Okay, now, this here scripture in chapter 5, and as we look at it, we're going to see two things. The positive attitude of the people that came, the positive attitude and the positive action of the people that came to be healed. See, this is a two-part thing. And the reaction or the response of Jesus to the people when they came. Because if we're going to find out about divine healing, let's not go to somebody else's ministry. Let's go to the one that had it perfected. Let's go to the one that never failed. Here's the one who sets the example, okay, for our studies. Let's study from his life and ministry, and let's find out how we're supposed to do the works of Jesus. How am I going to do the works of Jesus unless I do them the same way Jesus did them? Right? Greater works shall you do than I do because I'm going to the Father. The works I do shall you do also. Well, how can I do those works except I do them the same way he did the works? I must do them the same way he did it. And so here we find out this twofold effect. Number one, we have the positive attitude and the action of the people that came, of the person or the individual that comes to Jesus to get that healing, and we have the response of Jesus toward that person, what he did uh, concerning that person's life, to get that healing power over to them. And it was not automatic. You will find in our study today, or this evening, how Jesus had to do certain things in certain individuals' lives to get that flow of healing power over to them. So they can use their faith to be healed. Now here, you'll discover two words that I want you to see. Two key words. There's really three we're going to point out. Let's begin reading at verse 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and suffered many things of many physicians. See, that's important right there. And suffered many things of many physicians. Again, I do not use this against the medical field. All I'm saying is this. Anyone I ever knew that went to the medical field suffered many things. Amen? I mean, let's be honest, okay? Suffered many things of many physicians and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather be in my father's arms if I was getting nothing better and rather grew worse than somebody else's. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I mean, bless God, if we're going to go any way with our bodies, I'm for going the Jesus way, aren't you? Amen. This woman suffered many things and many physicians and was nothing better but rather grew worse. What are we going to do with her? Set her aside like a side of bee? Slip her into some leper colony? Isolate her in some house so she can't make contact with, you know, humanity? No. No. We're going to tell her about the healing power of Jesus. Amen. We're going to tell her about Jesus. Well, she heard of Jesus. Someone did. And when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched. Now, there is a key word, touched, touched, touched. She touched the hem of his garment. She touched his clothes. And when she did, she was healed. For she said, verse 28, If I may but touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Now, if I was a doctor, I would want to diagnose that. I want to go over there. I mean, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not in the medical field. But bless God, if if I find out, you know, here's some physical proof, some physical evidence. Here's a woman. Maybe you even were in the crowd. Maybe you were the doctor that she went to and suffered many many things of um, you know under your ministry there. 
Okay, and she comes and she touched his garment and she got healed. There was something that took place that we need to know about. We need to know what took place when she touched that garment and went into her body and healed that body and caused that body to be perfectly whole after a condition that was so bad she was practically dying. Practically dead, probably. But instantly she was healed of that plague. Isn't that proof? You could probably, if I was a doctor, I'd get my microscope out and get... Cut off some of that garment, you know, and put it under there. And what, what, what is in this? What is this? What is this? But you see, he wouldn't have found anything because you can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't taste it, you can't touch it, you can't smell it. But bless God, it's there, and it's real, it's tangible, it's the power of God. Amen. It's alive, it's living, and there is healing properties and virtue in it. And when somebody touches it with faith, then I got my microscope out and went over to the lady and. Try to find, or maybe x-ray machine or something, you know, to x-ray her to find out, what is this thing you've got inside you call faith? Because Jesus said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, we've got two more key words here. Let's read it all. I'll give you the words. And Jesus, in verse 30, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, there's another key word, virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Notice she touched his clothes. The word touched again. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronged from thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around about the seer that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plank. Now we got touch. We got virtue. We got faith. We got touch. We got virtue. And we got faith. And you put those three together and you got made whole. Touch, virtue, faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of the plague that the, the doctors for 12 years could not find out how to cure it. And you were nothing better, but rather grew worse. Now, I don't care how chronic the condition might be. I know things that just by sight look horrible. And you think that God can't do it, but God can do it. And it doesn't matter which case it might be, if you will find out how he did this, or she did this, let's say it that way, by touching him, then we can find out how to get anybody healed. Amen. Or you can find out how to get yourself healed, because this woman seems though to me, she found out how to get herself healed, didn't she? She tried everything else, but bless God, when she tried Jesus, she got results. She got her healing. Touch. Virtue, faith. Touch, virtue, and faith. Now, let's look at another scripture before we comment any, any further. Mark 6. Again, we're going to point out some key words. Verse 56. 6.56. Okay? And whithersoever he entered. Now, here he is. This is the great physician. In the villages or cities or country. See, there's a twofold effect we're going to see here. If you're the one that is doing the ministering, then you need to know in what condition Jesus was when he ministered. If you are the one being ministered to, then you need to know about the faith part. If you are doing the ministering, you need to know about the virtue part. 
If you're doing the receiving, you need to know about the faith part. Okay? Now look at Jesus entered into villages or cities or country. They laid the sick in the streets and besought him. They besought him. See? Besought him. There's action. That they might touch. There's the word touch. There's a key word again. Touch. They besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched it, him or it, translation is it, were made whole. His garment is not a him. His garment is an it. Okay, and as many as touched it were made whole. Now, again, I think we don't have to be highly educated to put two and two together and come up with four. It seems to me that the same thing happened. They came, they brought action, positive attitude, positive action. They came to him and besought him, if it were, to touch but the border of his garment. It's the same garment. It's the same Jesus. Evidently, it's the same virtue that is still flowing out of him. Need I to remind you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Okay. So it's the same Jesus. The people come evidently with faith. How do you know that? You say, well, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole when you touched the hem of my garment. Why should I determine that it was anything else? I mean, let's give ourselves at least a little bit of understanding concerning this matter when you have to realize that even in this modern mystic world where, where proof is under the microscope, you know, behind the x-ray machine, well, if it did it that time and it works this way, then evidently that's the way it works. If this is a spiritual law or a natural law and it works this way, you know, this, this causes this. And they've got it under a microscope. They've got it on an x-ray machine. Well, then bless God. If it works that way for the woman with the issue of blood, and you find out that the other people came and touched the hand or the border of his garment, it must work the same way. It was their faith that touched the garment or the virtue and the healing power because of the touch of that virtue went into them and made them every whit whole. What's so hard to understand about that? Very simple, isn't it? Very simple. Very logical. Amen. Okay, that's what happened. Now, let's look at another scripture in Luke's gospel concerning the same issue. Sixth chapter. You say, boy, you touched these scriptures last week. That's okay. Stick around for the next six weeks. Hallelujah. You're going to continue to hear these scriptures. Touch, virtue, faith. Touch, virtue, faith. Now, over here in 6th chapter, verse 19. Well, let's start with 17 again. Let's read the whole thing. And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear, came to hear. See, that implies faith. Faith cometh by what? Okay, they came to hear and to be healed of their diseases. Now listen. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Okay? Is this a strange mystery? Well, let's find out what the next verse says. And the whole multitude sought. Key word, sought. Circle it. The whole multitude sought. This is verse... 19. And the whole multitude sought. The word sought means to seek literally. 
It means to seek, literally. And specifically, it means to worship God. I was amazed when I looked it up. Literally, it means to seek. Specifically, it means to seek to worship God. These people didn't just come to observe. They came to hear and to be healed. They didn't just come to find out or to question whether or not this was true. They came to seek a way to worship or to touch God. That's why they came. You see, there's something about their day and our day. People back then didn't have the things to believe in like you have today. They didn't have one of the greatest uh, children's hospital right at their fingertips to go to. No, they didn't have uh, those kind of modern conveniences. You have to realize this. They didn't have a bridge, you see, to get to the other side. They had to walk across the water. Which reminds me. Um, you remember over there in Mount Torrey tells about when they were walking across the water to minister salvation to people on the other side so they can go on the other side and tell them about Jesus. And the Spirit of God spoke to them and said, you walk across that water. There's no other way to go. Walk. I'll give you a way to walk across that water. Five years later, they asked them, are you still walking across the water down there? I said, no. How come? They built a bridge. I wouldn't dare step foot on that bridge, would you? Man, I'd go over to God if I was walking across that water. Well, that's what man does. Man builds a bridge, so we don't need power of God. Man builds a bridge, don't need a power of God. So we walk across the bridge. So we go to the hospital. So we take this, and so we do that, and so we do this, and so we do that. And where's the power of God? Man can fly to the moon. Why does he need God? Don't need the power of God. Last resort, power of God. When a death sentence is pronounced, then it's the last resort. Go to God. But wait a minute. If I can trust him, then why can I trust him while I'm healthy? Why can I find out about this power while I'm healthy and learn how to come in contact with this power? And forget the bridges that man built. Man needs a bridge because he don't have the power of God. But bless God, when you've got the power of God, you don't need a bridge. Amen? That's right. Now look at here. It means to seek or they sought. They sought. They were seeking. Uh, medical science is doing a lot of research. They are seeking diligently ways to help people. Don't you think for a minute, just because I'm speaking like I am, I am separating these two fields. I am not speaking against the other field. If anything, let me say it like this. Because of the lack of teaching and because of the lack of understanding when it comes to the power of God to heal the physical body, man had to leave the church to find some other means whereby he could be helped and comforted when he was attacked with all the sicknesses and the diseases that surround him. When man lost the power in the church and the body of Christ to heal the sick, man was still dying, man was still, you know, suffering, and they had to find a way to get out of that suffering, so they went about it in a medical way, in a physical way. You can't knock what man has done physically. I don't do that. But let's not hold it in high esteem and say, this is God's way. Let's not do that and belittle our God. It is not God's way. It's man's effort in his own way to relieve himself of all the... I can't think of a word terrible enough to say that the devil does to the human body. I can't think of a word... That's horrible enough to say what that devil does to the human body. But I will tell you this. 
You let God come in contact with that human body and it'll be a blessed body. It'll be a healed body. It'll be a whole body. You see what I'm saying? Medical field is not God's way to heal. It is man's effort to discover a way to the physical realm to alleviate his own suffering. That's why God is not against any kind of help you can get because God's in the healing business also. God wants your body healed. But I'm saying this to you. We need to put more effort in God's way than man is putting in man's way. Amen? That's right. We need to do that. And we need to start doing that when you first get saved. You better start finding out about that healing power when you first get saved. If you're going to have success in it. And stay there. Because we're responsible for the blood of Jesus. And that blood was shed also for the sicknesses and the diseases of the world. He bore them for a reason. Okay. Now... If medical science is seeking and searching and researching and finding out ways to help humanity, these people here, they sought, they were seeking, they were searching a means whereby to come and touch Him. We should be diligently seeking and searching and researching and finding out how, what way can I get to the healing power of God? Amen? We should be diligently doing it. He said, seek and ye shall... Well, they were seeking, they sought, and they... Well, the one that hasn't found yet is not seeking properly. Do you see what I'm saying? In God's laws, spiritual laws, there are no failures. Those laws work effectively, and they operate correctly, so that when anybody lines themselves up with those laws and meets the conditions... Of God's healing power, touch, virtue, faith. When they come together, the result is going to be healing. Let's be definite. Let's not lower the standard. Let's be definite. Let's say it like this. Anybody, not only the woman with the issue of the blood, of blood, not only all these men and women that, that come to Him and were seeking of Him healing, a means whereby to touch God to get healed. All of them, no matter who they are, it's for anybody and everybody that will come and appropriate and apply the laws that apply to healing. I call it like this. The law of contact and transmission. Coming in contact with God's healing power and the transmission of that power from one individual to another to affect a healing or a cure in that body. On any, Okay? Just as sure as when you plug into that outlet, you're going to get electricity out of it. As long as all the laws of applying the uh, electricity are in order. Do you see what I'm saying? Why do we have to be so negative about God's healing power? I don't believe we have to be. I believe we can be absolutely positive. And I believe only then, then and only then can you take a person and find out where is this person's problem. I've had great success. I'll tell you what, I know that if you can get every individual, set that person down, you can, by knowing some of these things, you can figure out exactly where that loose wire is that is stopping the flow of God's healing power. And if you can get through this, get to this, and get that person to humble themselves, you can get that wire back and that healing power flow right through that body to get it healed from the Spirit. I know that beyond the shadow of a doubt. I know that beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I'll show you how Jesus did it. Okay, this is called the law of contact and transmission. Now, if, if you didn't catch this when I spoke last week, you need to write this down. Healing is by degree. Healing is by degree. The degree of the healing virtue that's administered, that goes back to the life of Jesus. 
the degree of the healing virtue that is actually ministered. Okay? Now, you see, we try to compare ministers to Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with saying we're anointed with the same power, we've got the same Holy Ghost. But Jesus, in spirit, soul, and body, walked 100% of the time in the light of God. There was never at one moment in his life that there was any hindrance to the flow of that divine power. But ministers are growing up. You're growing up. I'm growing up. Everyone is growing up in the Lord. We are endeavoring to rid ourselves of all the hindrances that could stop the flow of the healing power. So, consequently, that flow of healing power is not as powerful as it was in the life of Jesus, but it can be as that person develops. I'll explain this later. It can be as that person is developed from degree of glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And, of course, more of that is coming out of it. Well, if I can change from glory to glory in greater degrees of glory, is the standard reason that then more of that will be coming out of me as I change? Okay? And then the second part of that is the degree of the faith that is released and that gives action to that virtue to create that healing. There is a degree of faith. One could come with strong faith. One could come with weak faith. Peter walked on the water, starting out in strong faith and ended up with weak faith. And that weak faith didn't do him any good, did it? It almost got him drowned. But the woman, the Syrophoenician woman, she came, and bless God, she came with great faith. Great is thy faith. And that woman got her desire. It was answered. Well, how did that child get healed? The law I just said. Well, where was the touch? The touch was in the words. The words that she spoke were containers. They released faith. When she spoke those words of faith. Remember Jesus said, Woman, because of this saying, thy daughter, the devil has gone out of thy daughter. Her faith contacted Jesus, Jesus' virtue, with words. Not by the touch of the hand. But with words. And we'll explain this again as we go on. And the words that she spoke released the virtue. Same way. Think about this. This is the highest order of faith. Think about it. You can touch him and touch him of his garment and that virtue will flow by faith. But bless God, you can speak with your mouth the word and when the word goes forth in faith, that faith will activate the power of God. That virtue will go wherever it's needed. Her daughter was way over there. But bless God, the virtue went over there. Because of this saying, the devil's gone out of your daughter. Same law. Only in word form. Do you see that? That's a higher order. Because there is no touch. That's all by faith. That's the highest order of your faith. Okay, so there is the degree of healing virtue that is actually applied, and there is a degree of faith that gives action to that virtue to get that person healed. We need to understand both of them. So healing is then by degree. Let's go to another scripture in Luke. We're in Luke. Go back up to five. <clears throat> you see, without faith being mixed with this power, then the power is ineffective. Don't you remember that Paul said that the gospel, I'm not ashamed of, is the power of God? But also in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, it says, But the gospel, which is the power of God, not being mixed with faith, did not profit. The power was there, but it did not profit because it was not being mixed with faith. If there was faith mixed with the power, it would have profited them. But there was no faith mixed with the power. Now, Listen, as we read this, I want to show you some instances 
or incidents, how Jesus had to deal with the individual's life so that that faith can be released and the power can be activated inside that person's body. In verse 12, it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him. Notice again the positive attitude and the positive action. He besought him. He besought him, saying, Lord, now, now let's, let's remember something here. What he's saying is his faith speaking. What this man is about to say is his faith speaking. Lord, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. That's his faith. His faith that he's speaking is doubt. He doesn't know. He doesn't know whether it's the will of God. His faith is saying, you can heal me, but I don't know whether you will or not. So consequently, there is something... Here, that's going to stop the power from flowing. There is a loose wire. Let's say it that way. There's a loose wire in this guy's spirit. And because of it, his faith will not work to draw the healing power. So the first thing that Jesus does, stretch forth his hand to touch him. Touches him. Right? He puts forth his hand. He touches him. Is he healed? No, not yet. Saying. Notice this. In the other ones, they touched him. But here, Jesus touches the fellow and says. Jesus didn't say anything before. He said, your faith made you whole afterward. But here, in this case, he touches the leper and says. He first deals with the doubt and the unbelief. He said, I will. He removes the doubt. Fixes the wire. In his spirit, and the charge flows. Be thou made whole. Be cleansed. Be thou cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, had he not done that, had he just said, Here, I doubt that anything would happen. Then would have said, Sir, what makes my faith not work for you? What makes my healing power not go into your body and heal your body? But you see, the man located himself. If you're ministering healing to anybody, you can locate that person by what they say. By what they say. What did this man say? If you will, I'll be, you can make me whole. Well, that was doubt. That was unbelief. He didn't know whether he could or not. What did the woman with the issue of blood say? Did it say, if he wills, he'll heal me? No. She said, when I touch his garment, I will be healed. That's not doubt. That's faith. Do you see the difference? That's faith. I will when I touch. He said, if you will, you can Jesus first dealt with that thing that was going to, that doubt that was going to interrupt or stop this law of contact and transmission from working. And sometimes, look at it, it's not uh, that quick. I have ta- had to talk to people sometimes for a month or two, or for three months, or for four months, or for five months, or for six months, to get that thing. See, Jesus was all efficient, and he knew, because of his, you know, being perfect in spirit, soul, and body, and total communion with the Father... He can very easily get these things. But you and I, because of our having to grow up into Christ and all things, you see, there are many times that we're not as open in receiving everything that's wrong with everybody's life. And so consequently, it takes us time. And sometimes it'll take me time to, to dig around and find out, just like a doctor does. Take this test, take that test, take this test, take that test. Uh, you know, but sometimes Christians don't want to submit to that. Well, if you didn't get me healed the first time you prayed for me, bless God, I'm not coming back to you again. Well, why don't you try telling that to a doctor? He'll kick you out on your ear. 
Right? Well, if you're not going to listen to me and take my instruction, kick me out. Now listen to me. He'll kick you out. If you're going to minister healing to somebody, and you know, you know they don't know anything about healing, you're better off to go get them some little booklet or something entitled God's Medicine, you know, by Kennedy Hagen, just some. Get that and take it to his house and say, read that four times a day for one week. And say, you can pick it up at it is written, you know, and uh, you write that down there and you go out there and they give you it is written. And I'll write out real nice for you because, you know, doctors, you can't tell how they write when they make out a prescription. Tell you where to go to get it. And you go get that book and you go back home and you take it four times a day. Now, if that person doesn't do what you prescribe for them to do, because you see, you're dealing with their spirit like the doctor's dealing with their body. If they don't do that, that's like the person, the doctor says to the person, go get this uh, prescription filled and take it four times a day for the next week. You come back a week later and he says, well, did you take the prescription? He said, well, I went and bought it. Uh, but did you take it four times a day? Well, I took it once a day. He said, go back home and take it four times a day for the next week. He didn't get any better. Now, if you could just see the same thing, we're dealing with the human spirit. Jesus did it instantly. He could figure out every person's thing right away. He was that keen in the spirit. Now, if this person will take that and do that, then you know that that person wants to be healed. He is seeking healing. And after that week, you'll find out where he's at. You'll, by talking to him, you'll find out more about he, where he's at about healing. Then you may have to say, well, now go buy this book and read it for the next two weeks, three times a day. And as they do, you are locating their spirit, you're dealing with their spirit, you're changing their spirit, they're getting a different image of healing, and you're working on their faith so that their faith can draw that healing virtue or power. But if you pray for them immediately and they don't get healed, you're going to send them back about 100 yards more away from their healing. And it's going to be harder for that person to get healed. Well, I didn't pray, it didn't work this first time, so I'm not coming back anymore. That's why I'd rather than have somebody come up to this altar and say, well, I want to pray for healing and I don't know anything about it. I would rather you, unless you're not born again, because if you're not born again, it's easy to get you healed. But, you know, I would rather you to listen to what's being said, listen to the tapes and program your spirit, get your spirit man changed, follow the prescription, follow the scriptures, get your spirit ready, and then when prayer is made for you, that healing virtue will flow right into you and heal your body. Wonderful. It's better to be like that, isn't it? Doesn't take forever. Jesus got these guys healed quickly because he knew exactly where the problem was in every person's life. Let's go on reading and I'll show you some more about this. He put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. See, that answered the question. See, that, that um, did exactly what it had to do to release that healing power that was administering. Otherwise, there was a short circuit. But now it's, it's free. And he charged him to go tell no, tell a man, go thy way, show thyself to the priest and offer from the, thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more when her fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear, to hear, to hear, to hear and to be healed of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself. Now, this is very important. You might take a, a look at verse 16 and just skip right over it, but you shouldn't do that. He withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, charging up yourself. Why do you think his clothes was saturated with that power? Because he got off alone with the Father God. He got clothes up next to his bosom. And he let that glory radiate from the Father's presence into him. And just flow and glow out from him until it saturated his clothing. Prayer. If you are the minister 
who's ministering, then we need to follow that example of Jesus. That we should be ready. And sometimes that's fasting and prayer. Okay. Now let's read on. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees. Now underline who, who have come. Pharisees, doctors of the law, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Notice it does not say they came to be healed. They just came. They did not come. Now the others came and sought to touch the hem of his garment. They came to observe. They came to criticize. They came to accuse. They came to see what this man was doing. But still, the power of the Lord, the power of the Lord was present, but the faith was not present. The touch was not there. The power was there, but the faith nor the touch was there. They had no faith in him. They were doctors of the law. Pharisees, they didn't believe in him. But they had to come and see because of all that was going on under his ministry. So they came to observe. They came to watch. They came to accuse. They came to mock. They came just to come. They didn't come to be healed or to seek healing. But the power of the Lord was still present to heal them. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, let's go on. Now, and behold, men brought in the bed, a man taken with palsy, and they sought, hallelujah, they sought, they just, others just came. These sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him, and when they could not, even though there were hindrances, find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. They went up upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their what? Isn't it amazing that when faith comes on the scene, they get healed? Isn't it amazing? Okay, we're not done here though. Okay? He saw their faith. But Jesus had to deal with this guy's sins. Let's read it. And when he saw their faith, he said, now his words is Jesus' faith speaking. That's his faith speaking. When he saw their faith, he saw that person had faith. He said, thy sins. Now, the reason why he had to openly say it, not for these other people. Jesus wasn't doing that for them. Jesus was concerned about him. And that man's sins would have stopped him from getting healed. First of all, number one, there's two ways you can look at it. Number one, condemnation. Will hold your faith in bondage so that you won't use your faith to get healed. But that wasn't the case because the man came. He used his faith to come. But number two, sin will short circuit the power of God and stop the power of God from flowing into that person. And so Jesus blurted out, man, thy sins be forgiven thee. Then, of course, he gets, you know, persecuted because of what he said. Well, let me show you something here. Let me show you what I'm saying is true. Let's hold your place there. Put your bookmarker there. Put your bookmarker there. And let's look at um, Jeremiah 5th chapter. This man comes with faith, but this man has sin in his life. I mean, there had been no need for Jesus to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, if the man didn't have sins, would it? And then he proved that his sins were forgiven in the latter part of the testimony there. Fifth chapter. Let's begin reading way back up at uh, verse 20.
Declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah, saying, Hear now this, O foolish people. This is Jeremiah 5, 21. And with that understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Now notice this next part. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will you not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by perpetual decree that it cannot pass? And though the ways thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail? Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it? Oh, that's a great God, isn't it? But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord. I'll tell you what, I fear God more than these other things, don't you? Let us fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Let's not fear these other things. Let's fear the Lord. But look at this next verse. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. Your sins have withholden good things from you. Although the man had faith, the man had sin. And the sin in that man's life would have stopped the healing or the good thing to come to him. So Jesus wrote it out, thy sin be forgiven you. Bless God, he had power on earth to forgive sins. That proved it. And when he did, boy, that man's spirit became an open channel of that glorious healing virtue and power. But the sins of the people withheld the good things. Let me share something else here in Isaiah 59. Go back a few pages. Isaiah 59. See, Jesus is dealing with this man's condition. He is dealing with the man's particular condition. What he had to do. Okay, 59 chapter. 59 chapter of Isaiah. Now, it says, Behold, verse 1, the Lord's hand is not shortened. That it cannot say, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Now, the idea is this. His hands. Jesus' hands were the hands of the Lord. But here he's saying, the hand of the Lord is not too short. If I want anybody's hand laid on me, I want it to be the hand of the Father. Hallelujah. His hand's not too short. I mean, he may be up there thousands of miles away, millions of miles away. He'll just go, His hand's not too short to save. Man, you could be standing over in China somewhere and just say, you know, you've got to be born again. Jesus Christ be your Lord and Savior and so on and so forth. And as soon as that man says that, his hand's not too short to save. Bless God, his hand is not too short to heal. That word save is all-inclusive. It means heal, deliver, everything. Okay? His hand's not too short. He said, but your sins have separated between you and me. And I can't. I can't do it for you. Your sins are withholding all my good things from coming from, from getting to you. Because this is a law of contact and transmission. And it's got to go by the right channel. And Jesus was so perfect in spirit and soul and body. He was a perfect channel. For the power or the virtue of God to flow out from him, in from his spirit, out to meet the needs of humanity. Okay. Now, let's go back to, well, go back to James first. I'll show you something else. Then go back to Luke. 
James 5, first of all. James 5. Okay, verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save. His hand's not too short to save. The sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. This is a perfect classic example of this man. I'll take him with a palsy on that couch. Now listen. Confess your Faults. That word faults. It means willful transgressions. Confess your willful transgressions. He is speaking to the church. He's saying this, that you may be healed, of course. That willful transgressions against those members in the body will stop the flow or the power or the virtue of God's healing power in that particular body. I don't want to belong to a body of believers that is not listening to what the Lord says here and quenching the healing power of God because they are willfully sinning against one another through backbiting and gossip and talking and all this stuff, all this garbage about one another, and so stopping the healing and the virtue and the power of God so that we can have a body filled with the glory and power of God to heal any person's need, whatever that need might be. Now listen, confess your willful sinning to one another. If you sin against your brother. So that the prayer of faith that your minister or the layman comes to pray for you will work. Because this whole body is involved. Listen, whether we like to realize it or not, this whole body is a habitation of God in the Spirit. And what we do in this body will determine just how much power we have to be entrusted with. And when we all decide to begin to walk with faith and to begin to walk in love and to begin to walk without backbiting one another, without sinning against one another willfully and speaking only the blessed good things about one another, then the power and the glory of God will be that much stronger. And those prayers of faith will tap into that healing virtue and people will be healed and delivered. That's what he's saying here. Now let's go back to Luke and let's, let's get this in. We've got a little bit of time left. I want to get this in. Okay. Um, let's go up to verse 23 when Jesus finishes. Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power. That word is authority. It's exousia. 1849 in your strongest concordance. Okay, you got that now. It's not the other word, dunamis. He has delegated authority to forgive sins. But now look back over there in verse 17. The other part of the verse. It says, and the what? Power. Now that word is, is dunamis. 1411 in your strongest concordance. It's not the same word. See, it's different. That means miracle working power. The other word, power, in verse 24, that's the word authority, delegated authority. He was given, de he was delegated authority, the power of attorney, delegated authority to do this, and the power or the ability or the miracle working power because of that authority was present to heal them. 
Okay? So he has power or authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. Now, my point is this. The authority was there to forgive sins, and the power to heal the body was there. And it was present to heal them. And the only one that got it was the one that came and got the forgiveness of sin and tapped into that healing power by faith. That was the only one that got it. I ask you again, does the law work? You better believe it does. Does it work for anybody that'll work it? Yes, it does. But to those that don't work it, it doesn't work. The power was present to heal them. All of them. But only one got healed. Okay? Delegated authority. Delegated power was given to them to heal. Uh, to Jesus. Well, I wanted to get into Jesus passing on that power to us, and we'll have to pick that up next time. Because I don't want to go over this. I want to get all these sessions on tape. So, close your Bible right there. Jesus came with power and power, delegated authority and miracle-working power. Exousia and dunamis. 1849 and 1411. That's what he came with. Okay? And he gave that to us. What you'll be excited to know. That he gave it to us. And we can appropriate it. The thing I like about this, and if the believer begins to see this, that is in you. That power is in you. See, it's already in you. It's as close as your spirit. And when we get our spirit in line with what he has given to us, and then our soul, is re mind is renewed to that, it begins to come out of us and to develop in us so that that healing doesn't have to be me going to a meeting and getting somebody laid their hands on me. That healing comes out of my spirit because it's the spirit of God that's living in me that raised Jesus from the dead that will quicken my mortal body by the spirit that's dwelling in me. See, that's the highest type of faith for healing. Is to draw from what's in you from him. I'd rather draw from him, see that way. But sometimes God has to anoint men because he can't wait for everybody to grow up. He can't wait for everybody to grow up. Because then there'll be people that wouldn't be helped. <clears throat> so there's two, two things to look at, which we'll get into concerning this power. Bless God, where does the time go? Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.